the best things they always come the best ideas they always come from the intersection of two very different areas and when you mix copywriting with physics then maybe something great happens you're listening to ecomonics a debutify podcast your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age this is joseph I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Like many of us, Daniel Budai exhibits a natural yearning to both acquire and share knowledge, evidenced through his podcast and his data-driven psychology-based email marketing operation. No matter where your success takes you, there's more to learn and to teach. Daniel Budai, it's good to have you here. Welcome to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast. Amazing. Thanks for uh, inviting me, and I'm really glad to be here today. Glad to have you. And it is, it's always nice to talk to another podcaster, and I'm going to set a ground rule. We are going to do our best not to have that meta conversation where podcasters start to talk about how great podcasting is we know how good it is it is all right so we got to start it's the most important question i could possibly conceivably ask who are you and what do you do yeah yeah so i'm originally from hungary budapest and during covid times i'm i'm here at my home city i had a long journey to end up as an email marketer e-commerce email marketer I studied geology first at the university and I wanted to work in the oil industry, but I didn't find a nice job with this degree. So I just started out with copywriting on Upwork actually, like four years ago. And then it was quite successful. I started hiring some people into a team. I started building a team and with the team, we leveled up. We started creating uh, not just copy, but strategy. We niche down into e-commerce and today we became an e-commerce retention marketing agency. We do more than just email, so SMS, uh, messenger marketing, loyalty programs. And just recently we added conversion optimization. And actually our plan is to become a full service e-commerce uh, growth agency the next one year. So this is who I am and who we are. Excellent. So when you say full service, what other parts of the puzzle are you looking to add in the long term? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So up to now, we were like like retention marketing. So there was an e-commerce store and if they wanted to uh, add email marketing and more retention focused services, we could help them. But now we want to build a system and a team who can really take them to the next level to eight figure from almost zero from the startup level. And we added a CRO and uh, we will add uh, Facebook ads and uh, we will work on our creative team in the next few months. So it will be a different approach. Excellent. Now, I've talked to a couple of uh, email marketing agencies so far. And one common thread is that there is usually a criteria based on who they're going to work with. Yeah. They do prefer to see some momentum in their clients thus far. But you say that you want, you're cool with working with people who really are just starting up. So I guess aside from the financials, which are a case-by-case basis, but what criteria are you looking for mm -hmm. when you want to work with people? Yeah, great question. Because 
actually Thank just you. yesterday I sent uh, a long message to my team that these criteria uh, will change in the next weeks. They have been the same in the last two years, I would say, but now they will change really fast. And uh, so up to now, it was like, of course, financially, it had to make sense. So they had to make around 30, 40K per month. And obviously, they had to be able to pay our uh, retainer fee. But beside that, we were quite uh, flexible. We worked in 30 different, uh, 30 plus e-commerce niches. But now, I think this revenue number will, will go up, actually. So if I really think about it, we don't really work with like real startups from from mm-hmm. right. So they need to generate at least a mid six figure per year, let's say, or maybe even higher. And uh, we won't work with dropshippers anymore. We still have a few uh, dropshipper clients and I can see a few niches where we have more experience and probably we will niche down in that way. One of them is skincare and beauty. Another one is fashion and probably food, the food industry mm-hmm. itself, because we can see a crazy high uh, returning customer rate there and email works very well. And that's still our DNA, I would say. And they have high profit margins. So there is a huge growth potential in these areas. But we are still figuring out this part. Yeah, I mean, those are consumer goods that, with the exception of clothing, which somebody, I suppose, could wear the same clothing for you know, decades, such as myself, a lot of these are industries where the people will yeah. inevitably come back to, yeah. uh, to resupply. You don't, you don't get, maybe you don't get the same retention rate on people who sell fridges, especially good fridges. Yeah. I think it's worth to talk about the opposite side. The other side, there is a very nice graph and, uh, I have it somewhere, but basically it shows you the, the two spectrums, like, uh, industry is high, high retention rate. And I think coffee has the highest, like 80%, like you drink coffee every day <laughs> coffee. and Oh, yeah. The other end of the spectrum is expensive jewelry. You don't buy a golden ring every day or uh, furniture or electronics, ex- expensive electronics, maybe some car accessories. So these are the things where, you know, the retention rate is, is not as high for these industries. You know, I, I had a major revelation when it came to coffee drinking because I was hanging out with some acquaintances yeah. and she's driving around and she's uh, going to Starbucks to pick up her fourth coffee of the day. And she turns to me and says, do you want anything? I'm like, no, I, I had one coffee earlier today. I'm okay. She's like, are you insane? <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I actually, actually, I just, I just drank uh, coffee like 15 minutes ago and now I'm still under the inf- influence. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. I mean, yeah, like caffeine is not good for sure. Four times a day, that's crazy. Yeah. One of the episodes I, I listened to, I couldn't, I couldn't help myself, but it was the, it was the health-based one. I can't remember the name of the guest, but it's a two-parter. And, uh, and by the way, I will recommend that people check out Danielle's uh, podcast as well. And one of the problems is that caffeine turns into a crutch where it's really supposed to be something that you yeah. use sporadically. Yeah. There is a coffee crash. I really recommend a uh, different kind of teas, green tea, black tea, matcha tea, and there is no crash there. That's about yeah, exactly. It's more, it, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. You also run a, a Facebook group too. It's the top 3% e-com email marketing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to let people know what to expect if they want to join in the group. 
I'm also curious about what's the significance of it being the top 3%? Where does that particular number come from? The number, the 3%? Yeah. Because I always think, you know, the dichotomy between the 1% and the 99%, but that's <laughs> as political as I'm going to go. <laughs> that's a great question. I, I, uh, you know, I used to be a copywriter and I know that numbers, they convert very well at the beginning, especially three, five, seven, nine, these numbers. And I didn't want to use top 1%. Maybe that's not, you know, that, that's too tiny. So it became top 3%. I, I don't <laughs> think there was a big thought, big idea behind it. Just it became top 3%. But this group, we are very strict about the members because we had, uh, before we had more than 1,000 members and uh, we removed uh, 300 members just like two months ago. We messaged all of the members if they want to uh, stay in the group. And if somebody didn't reply, we remove them. So uh, we try to keep it really like the top 3%. And we, we don't want to have like, I don't know, tens of thousands of people. And uh, we try to come up with uh, case studies regularly, new features, especially email, messenger, Shopify related. We have live streams and we share all, all of the podcast episodes there. So, and we have some nice, nice memes and jokes there as well. We have a mm -hmm. kind of joke person in the team and he loves creating memes. So this is what uh, the group about really. Oh, excellent. I I'm going to do my best to resist talking about memes for the next hour. <laughs> I, 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 I love, I love a good dank meme. Your, your e-commerce business strategy, and this is me looking at the website, and I recognize that as you've said so far, a lot of things are still being worked on and developed. So we'll take this as how it is for now, but you know, it could change. But yeah. your business strategy is, is three parts. There's you're setting up the email system, there's the behavioral psychology-based targeting, and then there's advancement beyond email. So uh, I'd like to get you to give us a breakdown of this. And I'm particularly interested in the middle part, the psychology-based targeting. So uh, I definitely want to hear more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. So let's say you have an e-commerce store and you have an amazing product. You have some traffic on the website, some revenue, kind of stable revenue, but you don't have email marketing yet. So why you should get started? Probably the simplest reason, because it can boost your revenue by 20, 30, 40% and you don't have to spend on ads. So the profit margin on this extra revenue is, is very, very good. You just pay the, the product and, and the marketing software, basically the rest of it, it's profit. Also, you have to nurture your customers. You have to set expectations after they purchase. You can send them content and it's highly personalized. So email has a lot of uh, benefits. First, if you don't have anything, I think you should start with the email automations, email flows, because if you set up these things once, they will run forever. You can leave them there. Of course, you should optimize them, but even if you don't have time or money for that, they will still work. So you can start out, we usually start out with like seven, eight different automations. You can start out with abandoned cart emails. You can send emails to your new your new customers, you can send emails to your VIP customers, you can send uh, emails to win back the old unengaged uh, subscribers, you can install a sign-up form to, to get more subscribers. So there are many different automations. And actually, if you go to our website, you can uh, check out these flows. We posted many um, case studies and, and, and articles how to do these setups. 
So I think you should start with this and I would recommend Klaviyo as the email software for every e-commerce uh, businesses. You can use MailChimp, but there are other tools, uh, Active Campaign, but they are not really for e-commerce and, and not really high level tools for, for e-commerce. So I really recommend Klaviyo. So that's the email automations part. And once it's done, once they run, you can start sending manual email campaigns to your email list. You can segment your email list, who purchased already, what was the value of their purchase, uh, when they subscribe, if they open your emails or they are totally uninterested. And you can send out different uh, email campaigns to them. During holidays, like we will have Halloween and Black Friday soon, you can send out uh, promotions. You can also send out your blog articles, your videos, different kind of content. And we mentioned jokes. Actually, for many clients, we send out jokes on Monday. And simple reason, because people love jokes and Mondays are boring for many people. So we just make them happy and after they buy, it works very well, Monday jokes. So there are different angles to sell and uh, what to send to people. And once you have the flows and the campaigns, it usually generates 20, 30% for most e-commerce businesses. And after that, uh, you can start out with SMS and Messenger, which can add an additional 5, 10, 15% to your revenue. And the logic there is it, it's very similar to email. So there are automations, abandon cart SMS, abandon cart messenger, welcome flows uh, on both. And uh, you can send out campaigns as well for both platforms, SMS and messenger. Don't send as many campaigns for SMS than for email because you cannot send 15 text messages a month. That would drive people crazy. Don't do that. If you don't want uh, any legal issues, maybe two, three, four per month maximum. I could see agencies who send four or five to brands, to their brand client, branded clients. And I don't know, it's just too much, I, I think. I don't know how they do it. So yeah, in a, in a quick nutshell, this is how it is, how it, how it looks like. And after you can start a loyalty program as well. Especially if you have a strong brand uh, equity, people love coming back. And there is the CRO part as well, website conversion optimization. But now we wanted to talk about email mostly. Of course. Yep. There was a few points ever raised as I'm, as I'm taking this in. And starting backwards is the SMS side. Yep. I assume most people listening by now know, but it's just in case it's receiving text messages from companies that you subscribe to. I would expect there needs to be limitations on that, both in terms of what content you can put on there and also, like you say, how frequently people are willing to put up with it. Because it all comes down to what expectations people are conditioned to have prior to. Emails are still wild west when it comes to yeah. what it could be, yeah, yeah. right? It, it, it could be a correspondence from a friend. In fact, it's actually, at this point, it's more surprising when people get an email from a friend. <laughs> It's just like a pen pal yeah. or something like that. Yeah. People expect the inbox to be more about communication from companies yeah. because you expect exactly. companies are sending these things out en masse. But <laughs> I don't think I've ever, nor do I ever, gotten or want to get a text message that's content from a company where it's like, hey, here's top 10 tips to clean your sunglasses. I feel like this is neither the time nor the place to to want to receive this. So uh, what about you? Like, what do you think about that? What do you think are kind of like limitations mm -hmm. to SMS? Yeah. So 
just a bit about email. Uh, here in Europe, we we have GDPR. It came in around, I think, two years ago, two and a half years ago in 2018. And back then it was a big thing. And, and everyone expected that we here in Europe, we will get uh, fewer business emails and sales emails. But actually it didn't happen still. Yeah, I, I don't think this GDPR thing was very effective on, on this thing. We still have the same amount of sales emails. And Sorry, can you just define what GDPR is for us uh, uh, Westerners? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm not on. A, I'm not a lawyer, so uh, it's not official or anything like that. And even lawyers, they don't. Sure, they course, are not on course. the same page. And and if they uh, can see something on the website of a big company, they still don't know how it should look like. And yeah, but basically, what it is about. If somebody subscribes to your list, they have to consent first. There is usually a checkbox there that, uh, okay, I consent that I will uh, receive marketing uh, messages from this company. And if you don't do that, that's a problem here in Europe. That's kind of, you know, gray area, but everyone should do that. And, and yeah, we, we do this with our clients and double opt-in is strongly recommended as well. But I think it's the same in the US and Canada. Uh, double opt-in is, is really uh, recommended. So yeah, this, this is the rule. You cannot, you cannot send uh, emails um, with, with promotion and sales if they didn't consent, uh, they didn't agree before to, to receive those. Mm-hmm. About SMS. So SMS is it, it's worse than email in, in legal things. Every, every country is very strict about SMS. There is this checkbox thing. People have to uh, agree to get uh, your uh, text, text messages from you. That's one thing. And actually, I cannot uh, list out all of the things now. There are like six, seven things. We have an SOP for that the process. My team uh, does it for our clients. But one of them is uh, subscribers. They have to agree to join your list and get marketing messages. And there are a few best practices. So at the beginning of the text message, it's highly recommended to uh, put the name of your company or your store. So people will know that this is a marketing message. It's not from their grandma or something like that. And to the end, you have to, I think, uh, so it's, it's a rule, it's a law that uh, you have to put the unsubscribe link to the very end. Or at least uh, say that if you send us stop, then we will stop messaging you. Similarly to email, non-subscribe link. I remember these two, as I said, there is a whole list of these things and uh, my, my team, they take care of this part. Right now, I guess the one thing that I would like to see different in SMS, huh? and I don't know if this is uh, feasible or possible, but when I get a text message, a, a number from these from these companies, it it'll be like 1101.8562. And I already know, okay, well, this is either the bus stop telling me when the bus is coming or it's a company trying to sell me something. And I guess I'd be okay with just the name of the company on it. So at least I know right away and I'm not trying to have to figure out, because I don't think it looks very good on the company's side for, for there to be just random number assigned to it. It doesn't convey the same amount of legitimacy as just, oh, okay, well, I got a message from, from Sony. All right. I got a text message from yeah, Sony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a camera from them. I get it. So, so I, I'm not sure what do you mean uh, by the number. It's like an ID number for... Well, let's yeah. just say I'm getting a text message from somebody who knows me 
and I don't have their information ah, okay, the saved, phone number. so oh, but it'll okay, be a phone number. It it'll be four one six five eight two. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great point, by the way. Um, I think these phone numbers are bought by the automation companies, and at this point, I don't really know how this could be done better. Like, yeah, to to be shown on your phone that this came from Sony or or I don't know Gymshark or somebody else. Yeah, like I would have to take it upon myself to do that. Like if I'm if I know and I even welcome text messages from a branding company, I would have to enter their information in and save it. Like yeah. I, I did that with Amber Alerts because I'll get Amber Alerts once in a while. And so okay, mm-hmm. I added that to my uh, to my mm-hmm. contact page yeah. for when yeah, Amber yeah. Alerts it, show up. It makes a ton of sense. That's very interesting. Yeah, at this point, I I I, I don't know how it's possible, but uh, I I will. Uh... I will take a note on this. Yeah, we'll see. Far, far be it from uh, either of us to completely revolutionize the industry, but by all means, you know, go for it. One of the things I wanted to ask earlier on from your breakdown is just about acquisition strategies, because one of your main points that stuck out to me is that you don't need to pay for advertising because these are customers, period. Like they're customers. They're, they're, already, they're already there for you. So what I'm wondering is just some of the things that you would do for people who haven't committed to the to funds just yet they're just i know i I know there's abandoned cart but let's let's go with people who maybe have Mm -hmm. just visited the website what are some of the uh, options or some of these tactics Mm -hmm. that you can use to uh, to get them involved into the email side so first of all there is a flow called uh, browser abandonment uh, flow or Mm -hmm. automation and uh, this can be sent out to those people who just visited your website. They just checked out a uh, product and they left. And if they already subscribed in the past, then we can uh, email them. And this is one way. The other, uh, other thing, and probably the most important, is to install uh, different sign-up forms on your website. It can be a pop-up, embedded form. You can use it on your blog, your product page. But probably the pop-up works still the best. Um, just make sure that it's not too annoying and it, it doesn't come up every time. So, so mm-hmm. pop-up usually works very well. And with pop-ups, we can even triple the number of subscribers. Most of our clients, uh, e-commerce store owners or marketers, they have their email list uh, only from customers. And that's great because the list is highly engaged, but on the other hand, it's a small list. And uh, if they uh, or we install a pop-up, the list starts grow much faster. And really, like, we had an email list with 50,000 people, customers with one client when they came to work with us. And we could increase it to over 120,000 in like two months, simply because, you know, pop-ups work. Probably pop-ups different sign-up forms, browser abandonment flow, for sure. I would say these things. But you know, they still have to subscribe. So there are tools to scrape their email address. And I know people who use it, but those people, they never subscribe. So their engagement will be very low. That's one thing. The other thing is it's a gray area legally. So I I, I wouldn't do that, especially in Europe. Yeah, we don't want to advocate for anything like that. Uh, just from my own experience as a as a shopper, one of the brands that I do have a lot of respect for because I feel like they're basically making all the right calls yeah. is uh, Mantis Sleep, which yeah, is yeah. A, a sleep mask, which uh, you might actually like because I know you mentioned that yeah. you blindfolded yourself to, uh, to, yeah. to mask yourself. 
Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with yeah, good yeah, sleep I'm too. And Mantis Sleep is excellent. Um, this podcast is not sponsored by Mantis Sleep. So I had my own interest in, in sleep. I've had previous sleep masks, but they weren't very good. Uh, my philosophy is buy something cheap to test. Uh-huh. And then if the uh-huh. concept is working, then invest in a good one. And so I invested in a mattress sleep. And then, and even to this day, I still get emails from them. I don't think I was going to go to their website and read their content until I tried out their product. Because the quality of their product, I think, says something about the quality of their content. If they put together a product that's lousy, I'm not going to trust what they have to say. I'm not going to trust their their information from their blog. I'm not going to trust their research. But if their product works and is effective, then I'm definitely more in, mm-hmm. interested in hearing what they have yeah. to say because they've established themselves as an authority. Yeah, I, I, uh, it depends. It depends on the person and it depends on the niche. You know, like there are certain niches where a ton of education is needed before the purchase. I think supplement is traditionally like this. Uh, probably sleep as well. So I, I think you are a bit outlier in this context, like uh, because I remember I, I. So for me, good sleep is also very important. I I, I bought a Fitbit watch and I bought blindfolds. I bought a few things, but I needed education, like uh, because before I was totally unaware why bad sleep is is bad. <laughs> I wasn't really aware of this, so I needed education and maybe. If I, I could see a Facebook ad, I click there, I subscribe, and I get a lot of emails, a lot of content, then I, 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 I start being educated, and then I buy the product in the very end. I think I, I, I had the same journey with my Fitbit watch, that I needed education, that why good sleep is important, and how to solve this problem with this watch, and I, I just bought it. So I, I think it depends on the niche and the product, of course. We have a client uh, and they sell uh, hearing aids in the US and there you don't need much education. You have a problem, you need the hearing aid. Maybe after purchase, you need education how to use Mm -hmm. it properly. Yeah, so I would say it depends on the niche. Certain niches, they need a lot of education before the purchase. Other niches only after the purchase. Some niches, they don't need any education like fashion or, you know, I don't know, like high-end shoes. Uh, they just look nice and you just buy them. Mm-hmm. I would say it depends on the audience and you really need to think about it and also how you sell the product. And it's it's really channel independent. So you you can use the same strategy for email as for ads or, or on your website. If you need, uh, if your audience needs uh, education, then you should educate them everywhere. If they don't need it, then you don't have to do it. So yeah, this is my um, point of view. That's right. I, and yeah, I am definitely a, an outlying type. I will totally concede that. Although with, as far as the sleep mask goes, it okay. wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the first one that I used. I had been doing some, some research prior to it. So in that regard, you are right. People need to be educated on it because like you say, with hearing aids, well, people know what the problem is because they're experiencing it. But with proper yeah. sleep, people don't realize there is a problem. And so it's a much more uh, difficult job, especially in the advertising sector, because the ad has to convince you of a problem. And people, maybe they'll, they'll agree with that right away, or maybe they'll have to live in that problem for a while and really think about it before they, they accept those terms and say, yeah, this is a problem. I, I could be sleeping better. Can I ask you how you got educated in this topic? I'm just curious. Sure. So 
with uh, sleep, actually, a lot of it had to do with an objective. And my objective was lucid dreaming. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. so lucid dreaming is, and there's a and there's a spiritual element to this too. For people who don't know, it's when you try to retain your consciousness in dreaming as well as in in the waking state. And it's there are YouTube videos where people would tell you how to lucid dream tonight, and don't they don't I don't know if you're lucky they'll work, but it's more about this spiritual connection to yourself at a higher level. Because my philosophy on dreams is that there's people who like how, how the, the things that happen in dreams are so bizarre and so amazing, awe-inspiring and even or terrifying at times. I didn't think of it, but me at a higher level put a lot of work into this. And so I want to connect with that. And in order to achieve that, you have to have a, a number of quality habits. Uh, sleep, obviously, being the most important one. But you also have to take care of your uh, well-being, mental uh, health, uh, physical exercise, a proper diet, avoiding substance abuse, and to also have this almost like this air of lucidity in your waking state to the point where the the line between the dream state and the waking state is a little more intertwined, a little more enmeshed. Uh, you have to be careful with it because it, it can send a person into somewhat of a of a downward spiral. So, like you know, you you drink too much water. Too much water causes drowning, right? Too much of anything can be a bad thing. But I was so enthralled by lucid dreaming. That's actually where my study came from more. So it was more about what can I do to improve my sleep? Um, so I wear earplugs at night to block out sounds. Uh, and then I, and I wear a sleep mask to ensure that uh, no light gets in. And so that's that, that was where my interest came from. And as if I needed to prove how much of an outlier I am, I think that... That yeah. pretty well did yeah, a good yeah. job. And so you became problem problem aware, and then you found the solution somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And now I will say is that I I don't consistently pull off lucid dreaming. Maybe like uh -huh. every twenty dreams, I'll have one where I completely catch on to it. Mm -hmm. But I will say, uh, just for people who might have like a passing interest in this, there are some cool techniques that you can do. One of them is to have tells if you ever seen inception they have their totems where they try to tell what i do is anytime mm -hmm. i saw i spot a spider i use that as my dream check because they're they're a totem that i i, I encounter them in, in dreams so the more consistent i am with like oh it's a spider over there is this reality hmm. yeah it's reality that helps me to like wait a minute that spider is massive and has 12 legs <laughs> yeah this is wow. yeah so, i have a anyways. friend who did the same and um he told me a few interesting stuff, like what, what can happen if you do this? I think he stopped doing it a few years ago, but it's, it's fascinating. Was there another follow-up point you wanted to make in regards to that? Yeah. yeah. So where, where did we start the, to the topic? Uh, I tell you the truth. I'm a little, uh, uh, I, I got so far into that, that I did lose my own place, but that's okay. I've got uh, lots of material written down here or there. Yeah, actually, I'll, I'll bring this because I just thought that was funny, but you didn't make a point about how lawyers are not like on the same page about yeah. the, the yeah, yeah. GDPR, uh, which I just thought was funny because a lawyer's job is to argue. So they're never on the same they page about anything. <laughs> like they go to work, they go to work to they, fight. They, they so. are similar to entrepreneurs. They find problems, but unlike entrepreneurs, they don't solve them. I mean, <laughs> this is my experience. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get solved. They are just joking. That's fair. So let's, uh, let's move on to a case study. Uh, one of the 
questions that I had asked you prior to our interview was if you can share yeah. or if you think about a case study that you'd mm -hmm. like to tell us so that we can go through a practical uh, example of the process. Uh, and you've sent me one, but to be fair, I might have only checked the email like 10 minutes before we started, so I didn't get a chance to read through it fully. Uh, but it's here, the case study, how we made mid six figure extra monthly revenue with emails in a unique niche. Uh, the revenue increase in nine months was 24%. The extra revenue in nine months was 1.19 million. Yeah, or yeah. 1 million, 900,000. Uh, be our partner, get started. Okay, that's, that's just a button to click. Uh, so I could read the client testimonial and then you could uh, take it away from there. How does that sound? Yeah, 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 please. That's good, yeah. Okay, cool. My business partner and I got a referral from a mutual friend with Daniel and his team. We wanted to increase our revenue using emails because we didn't have time and energy to learn and implement it properly. The Budai media team changed the way we think about email flows and campaigns. When we started Q4, they generated a six-figure amount using emails and tripled the sales from our website pop-ups. No handholding required. These guys know what they're doing. So basically, this client, they sell uh, in the U.S. and they sell uh, pet products. And I really like these two guys. They are, uh, they are from Austria, Vienna. It's in the neighborhood of Hungary, but they sell in the U.S. I really like these two guys. They are, they are still very young and they, they transitioned the business from really, it was, it was a kind of dropshipping store using Facebook ads and dropshipping from China. They shifted the business model a few times. So First of all, they uh, started uh, making the product better. Now they have a very good product quality. That's one thing. And also now they don't really rely on Facebook ads anymore. So they added uh, email marketing. We do uh, SMS, loyalty program, uh, referral programs, different kind of retention stuff. But also they uh, added uh, native ads like uh, Tabula and Outbrain. And this is where their uh, traffic uh, comes from. I don't know, like more than 50%. So not Facebook ads anymore. So that's one thing. The guys are amazing and the, the product is amazing. Um, and we started working together uh, last uh, summer uh, in July. Their revenue was, let me check the number. It was $550,000 and 6% of their monthly revenue came from email. And as I said, we, we follow the same uh, process. So we set up the main uh, email automations in uh, Klaviyo. Um, we cleaned their uh, email list. They had, I think, yeah, they had uh, 96,000 email subscribers, which is a great number, but uh, the engagement rate was very bad. So we had to clean the email list. We removed a lot of contacts from the, from the email list. So we set up the flows. And um, we also changed their uh, sign-up forms. They used uh, Wheelio and they used um, like a lucky wheel kind of, um, I'm, I'm sure you know that, most of you know yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah, so them. like a lucky wheel kind of pop-up and we found it to be honest really annoying and kind of um, scammy because on the wheel you can see uh, free products, 80% off and the end they got 10% off like everyone. So. You know, people first they subscribe and after they get, they subscribe because they expect a free product or 80% discount. And in the end, they get only 5% or 10%. And then they will never come back. They are kind of, you know, you, you let them down. So 
they use this pop-up which converted very well like 16 percent i think but uh, people never came back and uh, we changed the pop-ups to a more straightforward approach in the pop-up we told them that hey if you subscribe you will get 15 percent off that's the deal you can subscribe or not fewer people subscribed but uh, they were highly engaged and in the end it generated more money actually with a smaller list and uh, i think it was a win-win for the audience for the subscribers for the business because if they have a lot of shitty emails then they have to pay more for the software so we changed the pop-ups and the numbers were lower the number of subscribers but they generated more uh, revenue and higher engagement that was a big change uh, in the very uh, at the very beginning and after we started sending out the uh, email campaigns and uh, by q4 we generated more than 30 percent of their monthly revenue um, at the beginning as i said it was six percent uh, only and last November it was uh, two hundred thirty thousand US dollars, and uh, this year they could uh, grow the business. So now their uh, email revenue in stronger months it's around three hundred thousand uh, USD. It's around thirty percent of their um, monthly revenue. This year we added SMS Messenger. Um, loyalty program we work with Yotpo uh, we added all of these and um, I don't know the numbers on the top of my head but probably we generate like 40% of their revenue from these channels so so this is where we are with the guys and they are working heavily on branding the company they, I think they will promote uh, events pet related events like mostly dog related events in the US so they they started branding heavily um, this is their direction now. Excellent. Well, uh, commendations for uh, getting rid of the the wheel. It's ironic because if I were to be a winner, that's when I wouldn't trust that thing. Oh, I won, did I? Oh, wow. Well, look at that. That's interesting. Yeah. One of the other things is that one of the things you told the client early on is that you had to clear out some contacts. Now, putting myself in the position of the client, I can see myself being a bit weary hearing about that. Just, just picture yeah. like, you know, I'm getting a message yeah. from you saying, uh, we're going to uh, go through your contact page and we're going to remove some of these. And I'm going to say, what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, why? Why? So how do you put somebody at ease when, when you get to that point? Yeah, yeah. So about the list cleaning, this conversation uh, happened a lot and it's, it still happened. Yeah, I can see it. And about the sign up form, that conversation happened. I, I really remember because... To be honest, I'm kind of proud of that conversation that uh, I could convince them because they had a big list mm -hmm. and this wheel, this lucky wheel worked very well for them in terms of conversion, but not in terms of generated revenue. So I just put some numbers on the paper and I explained to them that we should test it for two weeks, let's say, because we cannot, I mean, of course, we could have a lose uh revenue and 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 uh, subscribers but still the potential was was bigger than just not trying this out so they they approved to try it we tested it it worked out pretty well so so yeah and about list cleaning so that thing is is more common because we clean the list of everyone and they usually understand it that if somebody 
doesn't open an email for six months, they don't need that person anymore. Mm -hmm. And they also have to pay less for the software. So it's, it's, it's good for, for everyone because really if we send out content sales, win back emails, and we give them 30, 40% off and they still, you know, nothing happens, then we don't need those subscribers. Some clients want us to export these uh, contacts so they can have those emails, but yeah, it doesn't make uh, much sense to keep those people. You've given us really a lot of really good stuff to, to, to parse and absorb. There was something that I wanted to get back to before we run out of time. One of the common themes of the show is that everybody has a unique background, which uh, brings them into this. Uh, and you mentioned uh, at the beginning that you were interested in geology and that you had some aspirations to getting into the oil yeah. industry. Uh, I, I had a friend, he he had like a quarter life crisis where he ended up going to Calgary, uh -huh. which is uh, uh, our, uh, oil. our oil yeah. mecca yeah. in Canada. And, and he left because they were doing so many drugs. Yeah. So he, he comes back to Toronto. I mean, you can understand, right? They need to take the edge off. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard work. So, you know, I can't say that I've uh, put my, I could put myself in that position. But that aside, your interest in geology, how did that transform into your interest uh, here in e-commerce? And secondly, is there any skills or perspectives that your study came with you when you moved into this? Yeah, yeah. so just as, as a side note, I, I just read this book. I, I'm just showing this uh, here. So uh, it's it's not in English, but uh, it's Stephen Hawking, the okay. history of time or short history of time, I think. That's the English. Oh, Stephen Hawking. Yeah, a brief, brief history, history of time. Of time. That's, I'm just reading this now. So I still have the interest in natural uh, sciences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I think the best thing what I, I learned at the university is um, being skeptical about things because in natural science, you need a skeptic thinking mm -hmm. when somebody tells me something i don't believe it because that person just told me even if it's an influencer or famous person i i don't believe it i always question things i think that's the best thing what i learned from natural sciences it, it's really it's a great skill in business and um, how i transitioned so hmm, i i always try to follow principles rules what i can find in the business world mm -hmm. and um I think that's very helpful. On the other hand, I, I always had some interest in, in people. So even if I studied geology at the university, I, I was specialized in history in high school. So I'm not really a hardcore physicist or anything like that. I'm more like a mix. I think, you know, you can learn from both, both uh, areas, humanities and, and sciences. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I appreciate the uh, the skepticism. I'm somewhat of a I don't know. It's I, I going using the the uh, the X Files dichotomy. There's skeptics and believers. I I don't know. It's it, it's hard to parse because there's that guttural feeling of wanting to believe something, but needing to verify it through the scientific process so that that belief is founded on something something real. And this is by the way, this is coming from somebody who talked earlier about you know going to sleep and blasting off into uh, into dream space even that even something as nebulous or even as fantastical as that has to come from a place of practicality so what's interesting is converging these uh, these ideas together and trying to figure out what is the the balancing point what is the center mm -hmm. point 
because it's 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 dreams, but it's the it's the science to it. It's trying to take a scientific approach to our our spirituality yeah. and understanding things at a higher level. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. I just uh, two days ago last weekend I talked with a guy who's an engineer, I think, engineer, and uh, he's mm-hmm. a Buddhist, and uh, he converted a few years ago and. Uh, he's a very interesting person. It's an intersection of spirituality and being very number-driven and data-driven. So yeah, and I, I in general, I, th- I think that the best things, they always come, the best ideas, they always come from the intersection of two very different areas. And when you mix mm-hmm. copywriting with physics, then maybe something great mm-hmm. happens. Um, and I could say many examples. It's chemistry. It's these different elements coming together to make something. Sometimes it works, and we sometimes it doesn't. But uh, it's the, it's the important part is the consistency of the process. Okay, so this one I have to make sure that I uh, that I ask you about because I've uh, talked to everybody involved in the dropshipping council, and I want to make sure I complete the set. So, can I get a picture of how you got involved in the council and uh, what's your what's your status with them? What you do to contribute? Yep. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, actually, one of the founders, or or I think he he was the first founder, uh, Shishir uh, Nigam. I hope I pronounce. Mm-hmm. He's a previous guest on the show. Yeah, uh, I I, th- I I hope I pronounce his name right. So he's from Vancouver, Canada. Great guy, and we work mm-hmm. together as as a as a client of ours. And actually, we are, we will restart working together uh, this week. So this is uh, how. I, I got introduced to this group and he asked me to join. We try to, you know, share uh, knowledge there regarding email marketing um, in the group. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So through Shishir, actually. Okay, excellent. So one of the other things about, actually, sorry. Well, one other thing I, I, I wanted to mention too is that I have this this Arthurian fantasy in my head of the council that at some point when people can meet in person again, that you guys form like a Knights of the Round Table where everybody has like a crowns or robes or something like that. Uh, I'm just trying to plant that seed as often as possible. Anyways, so one of the things I found kind of cool about your website is that on the contact page, it basically went right to the booking calendar. And I'm sure that there's other websites to do this too. But for the most part, when I click on a contact page, there's one degree of separation before that point. Like, uh, oh, here's, um, or maybe there's an email box or something which would lead to uh-huh. the calendar but you seem to have a pretty uh, direct and open approach so was there any particular philosophy behind that or is just this is just how you found it was the most effective way to get people to uh, to book yeah yeah great question so in general i always try to be very reachable you know sure. I, if someone uh, messages me even a, i don't know like literally anyone so even somebody who never made money from e-commerce uh, and they want something to to do with with me or with us. I'm open, and I always try to reply. Sometimes it takes a few days to reply because I have priorities, but I I always try to be uh, reachable to everyone. Probably this this is the reason I would say. So if somebody books a call, uh, sometimes I, I email them that uh, we should uh, reschedule it. But yeah, in general, I always try to be reachable um, to to everyone. Same on social media, if they comment below my posts or they message me. Okay. There's a couple more uh, rapid ones just to fire off for you before uh, I let you go. To be fair, over the course of this episode, you've given us kind of like a, a perspective on what would 
be the answer to this question, but I want to get a, a summarization of it for you, which is um, you are as far the third email marketing agency I've talked to on the show. I don't know, maybe some of the guests, they have one too, and I just forgot to ask. But what do you think is important about your agency that makes you distinct uh-huh. from not only the other ones that I've talked to, but all the other ones that are out there? Great question. So Thank you. if you go to Upwork or anywhere, you can find hundreds of email marketers. It's hard to differentiate, mm-hmm. you know, these experts and agencies. Probably what really differentiates us is we limited the number of clients. Now we are 11 people in the team and we have maximum 20 clients. We limited the number of clients and uh, this comes with a few things. So first of all, since it's limited, we don't want to scale up to the moon and selling the same to everyone. We rather want to customize everything, you know, every, every channels and, and everything what we do for clients and make it better and better. Basically, as an agency, we want 20 very strong partners who we can grow together with. So, and, and the, our growth as a, as a business, as an agency, will come from not adding more clients, but adding more services and helping our clients better. I think this is what really differentiates us. And besides that, we are very innovative and, and opportunistic. So when we see an opportunity, we, we jump into that. We are not like, no, we don't do this because we are an email marketing agency. So mm-hmm. recently we sent out uh, postcard campaigns. I don't know anyone who did that before. And they generated some nice revenue for a brand. We, we sent out postcards to, to their audience in the UK. So we always, always try to test new things, add more services, help our clients in more ways. Yeah, I, I would say these things. Yeah, postcards. So just so that I'm understanding it, like, like physical postcards uh, sent in the inbox. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. You know, it was it was funny because I was, I was going to say, I was remembering when when music was really starting to digitize and even CDs were meh. One, one of the things that ended up coming back into common parlance was vinyl because people enjoyed collecting. People like to have collections of things, uh, but the music quality in vinyl records is unparalleled. It really is uh, something to behold. And in a way, I can see how postcards can have similar strengths, not to denigrate the, the other forms, of course, but receiving something physical in the mail that could have you know beautiful artwork yeah. on one side as part of the intricate design of a postcard and then the information conveyed on the other side you know that can go a long way too yeah so n- nothing really dies things end up becoming reborn again yeah and exactly because 40 years ago uh, dms direct mails and and probably even postcards but mostly direct mails they came regularly to people you you opened your mailbox and 20 other um, direct mails and you could read them and yeah. buy or, or not. And they, they disappeared in the last years. And I think this is why they can work again because they disappeared. Nobody expect them and you start sending out them again. And, and yeah, people like these things because they are very personal, physical things. I was a big fan of audio books for many years. And I just started reading physical mm-hmm. books again because I don't know, it's just a nice feeling. It's a real book in my hands. So probably a same thing here. And it gets people away from uh, from their from their devices yeah. for a little bit too. Especially, you know, in like that that last uh, winding yeah. down hour to to yeah. read something, uh, I find yeah. is 
quite, quite helpful. You know, I, I think things have their place, right? And things have to to fit in. All right. Well, that is, I think, I think that's as, uh, as far as we can go today. Daniel, uh, I want to thank you for your time. And I want to give you the floor one last time in case there was any last second points that you just wanted to convey to us or, uh, and also let people know what to do to get engaged mm-hmm. with you. Uh, so take it away. Yeah, yeah. Unlimited self-promotion. So of course. basically, if, if you want to contact us, go to thebudaimedia.com, B-U-D-A-I, media.com, or check out the top 3% uh, e-commerce group on Facebook. And uh, we have our own podcast, The Ecom Show. And if you have a high growth e-commerce brand with a great product, then feel free to reach out to us. We can help you with your growth with email, SMS, messenger, conversion optimization on your website. And yeah, let's see if we can help you. That's my pitch (laughs) to everyone. Terrific. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Daniel, once again, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the invite. It was an amazing one hour with you. (laughs) Happy to hear. All right, guys, I'll see you next time. You might have found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.